Thank you for supporting the media outreach of New Covenant Christian Ministries. Through the powerful preaching and teaching of Pastor Bill and Dr. Deanne Johnson, family relations are being restored. The wayward are returning to God. And together, we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Join us now for a message that will strengthen you in your faith and encourage you to be all that God has designed you to be. This weekend, as I mentioned, was a tremendous weekend of celebration. And there have been so many accolades and so much applaud and so much love. And we're always grateful for that. But whenever we're around times like this or like anniversary time, any time that we are celebrated, I always ask myself, what kind of leader would God applaud? What, what are the characteristics that would make God lean over the banisters of heaven and say, good job? And I believe in Psalm 78, we get a glimpse of that. Psalms 73 to 83, those 11 psalms, are called the Songs of Asaph, the Songs of Asaph. And Asaph was King David's chief musician. He wrote those 11 psalms, and of those, Psalm 78 is the longest one of those psalms. And he spends like 69 verses talking about the kindness of God to a rebellious people. But then in the last three verses, it's like he took a shift, and he spends the last three verses giving us a picture of this detailed picture of the qualities of his boss, if you will, of his leader, King David, his, his great leader, King David. So if you would look with me, I'm going to back up to 67 only because it's hard to find a sensible breaking point in the scripture. But we're going to concentrate on verses 70 through 72. But Asaph says in 67, moreover, he rejected the tent of Joseph, speaking of God, and he did not choose the tribe of Ephraim, but chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved. And he built his sanctuary like the heights, like the earth, which he has established forever. Verse 70, and speaking of God, he says, and he also chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds. From following the ewes that had young, he brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. So he, meaning David, shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart, and he guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. In those three verses, I think that we will see kind of the marks of the leader that God applauds. The first mark that I see is that God applauds the leader that is chosen. That is chosen. He says in 70, and he also chose David, his servant. Chosen, you know, means to be selected. But listen, it describes the kind of choosing that is made when more than one item is examined, but with only one being selected. In other words, it wasn't that 
He didn't have anything to choose from. You do remember when God chose King David. Do you remember how um, Samuel went to Jesse's house? And he was looking to anoint the next king to follow Saul. And by uh, Samuel's eyes, Samuel thought, well, surely one of these must be the one. There were several to choose from. But the oil wouldn't flow because even though others were available, they were not the chosen. The oil didn't flow until he got over the one that was chosen. I'm here to tell you that God applauds leaders, not those leaders that go on their own. Not those leaders that feel like I can do it better than the leader who's doing it right now. But he applauds those leaders that he himself looks among the possible candidates and says, I know it could be you, 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 and you, but I want you. And listen, when I say that, of course, I'm not just talking about pastoral leadership. I'm talking about leadership in any area of, of ministry, even in marketplace. Many times we begin to gripe and complain when we're in a place in the marketplace and we don't recognize the only reason you're there is because God said, I saw that one, that one, that one, that one, but I want you. Some of us are robbing God of his applause because we won't step up and be the chosen one. He said he chose him. He wasn't an afterthought. He wasn't plan B. God said I chose him, my very self. And notice he said, and he chose David, this caught my attention. The scripture says he also chose David, his servant. See, you can't read the scriptures too fast. Notice, he said I, he chose David, his servant. Did you notice it didn't say he chose David to be his servant? He said he chose David, his servant, implying that this was somebody who was already yielded to God's will. He didn't have to get him ready. He just had to help him to understand that he was ready. He was already submitted to the plan of God. When God is looking for leaders, he generally looks where people are already serving. Somebody said to us one time, they said, how come so-and-so, you always using so-and-so? I ain't calling no names because so-and-so is sitting here. <laughs> Every time I turn around, you always asking her to do something. I said, because so-and-so is always available. If you could be somewhere where you could be found, maybe you get chosen. She doing a good preaching already, ain't she? You want the applaud, God said, well, get in place. I'd choose you if I could find you. God applauds the leader that is chosen. 
Well, here's the next thing. God applauds the leader that is committed. The leader that is committed. You say, where do you see that, Pastor? 70 says he also chose David his servant and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes that had young. He brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, and Israel, his inheritance. He said he took him from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes that had youngs, he brought him, which is kind of tying into what I said earlier. God finds a leader where he or she is already serving. God finds a leader where he or she is already serving. I turned around and I looked at Deacon Bramell. If I want to know anything about business, I'm going to go to Deacon Bramell. Why? Because he's already serving in a, I'll call it a multi-million dollar business. Amen? How about a multi-billion dollar business? Why don't we just say, that's, just, that's next week, a multi-billion dollar business. He's already a God man in the marketplace. He's already doing something. So when God needs somebody with business acumen and insight who knows how to bridge marketplace and ministry, he's going where somebody's already doing it. And I know I'm right about it. I know I'm right about it. I can give you a Bible to back it up. Because Moses was tending Jethro's sheep when God chose him to deliver God's people. Elisha was plowing with oxen when God chose him to be the successor to the greatest prophet. Amos was uh, following the flock when God chose him to prophesy to Israel. And Peter and Andrew were fishing when God chose them to be fishers of men. God applauds that leader that is committed. Hear me, beloved. If we say, when I get in position, then I'm going to do this and that, that tells me you're not ready for this or that. I was sharing with somebody recently, they were asking me about staffing. And I said, uh, they said, what is the criteria for staffing? I said, oh, that's easy. The criteria for staffing is, as a volunteer, you're doing what we need done, and we need more of your time than you can currently give us. And he looked at me, he was like, I mean, like, don't you look for greater skill level? No, because I'm figuring you ought to be giving, bringing your A game to God anytime and all the time. Only time I want to pay you is when I need you to do it longer than you can do it on your, on your company time. Because we can't be at, at uh, the company doing God's business now, right? <clears throat> I ain't get too many amens right there. Because that's not what they pay you for. They don't pay you to do New Covenant business at their business. But when the body needs more of that time than you can render, then it's time to be compensated for it. Because God applauds leaders who are committed, not getting ready, already ready. 
So God applauds the leader that is chosen. He applauds the leader that is committed. Here's the third thing. Oh, I'm going to be like Liz Taylor told all eight of husbands. I ain't going to keep you long. <laughs> Y'all going to make the buffet for real. Here's the third thing. God applauds the leader with proven character. The leader with proven character. Because the text says in verse 72, so he being David, shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart. The integrity of his heart. That phrase, integrity of his heart, means moral innocence and uprightness on the inside. Moral excellence, moral innocence, I'm sorry, and uprightness on the inside. Pastor Clando Brownlee preached the 8 o'clock service this morning, and he said something about character, and I said, I got to share it in the next service. He said, character is who you are in the unsupervised area of your life. Did you hear that? Character is who we are in the unsupervised areas of our lives. Now, we have to lean into this one a little bit because nobody can put it on like the saints. Oh, come on now. You know y'all been fussing and fighting since last night. All the way into the parking lot into the sanctuary during praise and worship. Oh, Father, I love you. You better not touch. Uh-uh. And then the preacher says, touch your neighbor. You better not. <laughs> oh, but we look beautiful. And most of us have grown enough where we're not fooling around with that obvious sin. It's that stuff on the inside. You are St. John down. But you still can't stand your neighbor. It's that God applauds the leader with proven character with that character that sees who you are. Y'all do know that God knows everything, right? You do know that he sees everything, don't you? <laughs> I don't know why we think we fool him. Oh, Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> and you know how we get then after a while? <laughs> the boys start cracking. <laughs> I, just, I just love you, Lord. Well, then why don't you stop fornicating? I just love you, Lord. <laughs> we want to change the subject. That wasn't in my notes. So it must be in the room. 
But listen to me, listen to me. Proven character is not to be confused with perfection or sinlessness. Do you hear me? Proven character is not to be, not to be confused with that. Because if it did, then all of us have to go home. Right? And I know that's right because in 1 Kings 15, 5 and 6, it says this about the same David. It says, because uh, David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and had not turned aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. Now, how would you like it if your greatest sin was put in a book for everybody to read forever? How many of us would tell the truth and say, when you think of King David, you always think about Bathsheba? Who was it that preached last week talking about up on the roof? Soon as you say something about being up on the roof, the first thing you think about is that. But this is the reality. David was flawed, but he was still favored. Oh, you now that's a touch your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, you may be flawed, but you're still favored. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. See, what made David, you know, the Bible talks about how David was a man after God's own heart. What made him that was not that he was sinless. It was that whenever he was not in right standing with God, he was quick to make it right. That's character. Character doesn't mean that I never miss the mark. It just says that I don't lay down on the mark. When I fall, I get back up. Even the Bible talks about if a man should fall seven times, he'll still get back up. So it's not sinlessness, although as believers we ought to be sinning less and less. Are you on this? And less. Somebody said, Bobby added another one. Unless, but the point is, God is looking for character. Character is on the inside. It is what makes me go and apologize even when I wasn't wrong. That's what, that's the kind of leader that God applauds. Our accolades, all the things that people say about us mean nothing if if the picture is inconsistent with what God sees. The thing, I I know he hates it when I talk about him, the thing that I love so much about my husband, periodically when he goes out to preach, I get the opportunity to introduce him, and I love to introduce him. He hates for me to introduce him, but I love to introduce him. I know you do. I haven't cared all this time. You know, don't rush me. Like you tell me, "Uh uh-uh, no, 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 don't rush me. I got the mic. You asked me to preach. Didn't he do it? (laughs) Please take it. (laughs) But I love to introduce him because of the many things that I say about him is this. What I so appreciate is that the man that you see and admire in the pulpit is the same man that I live with. There is no duplicity. 
No duplicity. It does not mean he's perfect, but it do, I do know this, that if he gets it wrong, he's quick to get it right. He will apologize for things he didn't even do. So when God looks for leaders that he's going to applaud, he applauds men and women who are leaders that are chosen, that are committed, and that are people of character. Here's the fourth thing. God applauds the leader that is competent. <laughs> yes. I know we don't like to talk, especially in the church, Chip. Yes, we just want to render unto the Lord our gift. And many times, it is not a gift. I don't care how much you like to sing. There's some joyful noises that ought to stay in the shower. This is what happens when you don't preach for a long time, right? Because look at this. The, the Bible says this. It says, so he shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart, but it goes on, he says, and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Definitely, you know, the integrity of his heart is character, but you got to have more than character. You need to be competent. The skillfulness of his hands means the intelligence, the discretion, and the wisdom with which one exercises power. The intelligence, the discretion, and the wisdom with which one exercises power. Many of us are very familiar with John Maxwell and his, um, his theory, uh, what he calls the law of the lid. The law of the lid. And basically what that means is he's saying that any organization, any group, whatever it is, it can only go as high as the leader. And so using a scale of one to five, he's, one to ten, he says, so if the leader is a five in, their, in his or her competence, then you can't expect the organization to go any higher than a five. Because what will happen is you may attract people who are sevens and eights, but if the leader is only a five, it will frustrate the sevens and eights, and then they will fall away. And then if everybody below is a one to four, none of them will be incented to grow any higher. And so he says, you got to be competent. He applauds leaders who are competent. That's one of the reasons why um, we tell people all the time, stop with the, uh, uh, well, I'm going to just say it like I say it, and he can fix it later. Um, with, thank you, Chip. With the fake humility. You know you just sang the thunder down. And somebody comes and says, oh my goodness, BJ, you know you have a beautiful voice. Oh, it's not me. It ain't? <laughs> then who was that we just heard? 
We understand that you want to make sure that you're not taking the glory for yourself. But the God who gave you the skill is intending for you to receive the compliment and give him the glory later. That's what the Bible says. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You trying to get rid of the middleman. We need to see your skill because when we see what you do and then you tell us who you got it from, we then can see what a mighty God he is. But all of that fake humility, it it wasn't me. Ask you to do something. Oh, no, 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 I couldn't do that. I couldn't do it. And then don't fool around. Let us ask somebody else. I can't believe she didn't wait for me to do it. Well, didn't you say you couldn't do it? I'll never forget years ago, somebody told us that they were leaving an area of ministry. They weren't going to do it anymore. And then some years later, I think pastor was preaching on forgiveness or something. And the person came to me and said, I have to come and I have to... uh, I, I just, I, I had to forgive you. And I said, well, yeah, I'm so sorry. Before you even tell me, well, I'm so sorry. What did I, I'm, I'm sorry. Whatever I did, I'm sorry. She said, because, you know, when I told you I didn't want to do that anymore, you just let me go. <laughs> Silly me. I assumed that when you said you didn't want to do it anymore, you didn't want to do it anymore. I'm so sorry for believing you. (laughs) But every person in this room, every person who's watching, every person who's connected to this house, you have a gift. You have a skill. We should always be sharpening that skill. Why is it that we want to bring the best to the marketplace and give God the leftovers? You know, we say things like, you know, we, we expect that if you're going, I don't know why I'm on Singers, I guess all the production Friday. You know, we expect that I used to want to be, uh, I used to want to sing on Broadway. It never worked out, <laughs> but I wanted to sing on Broadway. I expected because I wanted to be in a Broadway production that I was going to have to go to auditions. And when I went to auditions, I understood there may be some people who could sing better than I could, who could dance in the chorus better than I could. And so I went giving my very best because I was trying to get the position. But now when we come to the house of the Lord and they want an audition for the worship team, why we get our faces all out of joint talking about, I can't believe they won't just come in. Oh, so you just can't bring your gifts to the Lord? No. We're going to need to know which gift you're bringing. <laughs> well, I just think I ought, to be, I ought to be allowed to be on the prayer team. Well, do you pray? Well, sometimes. Hmm. And you want to be an intercessor. 
Why'd you leave your last church? Well, they just didn't understand my gift. And you want to drop it here? <laughs> Is this helping anybody? God applauds leaders that are competent, that are competent. 2 Corinthians 3, 5, and 6 in the uh, New King James Version, it says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us enabled and qualified ministers of the New Testament. In the NIV, it says not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. We ought to be competent. We ought to be competent because what we do in the kingdom of God speaks of the king of the kingdom. And if we can bring our absolute best to everything else, why would we not bring our absolute best to the house of the Lord? So what did we say so far? The marks of a leader that God applauds. God applauds a leader that is what? Chosen. God applauds a leader that is? Committed. God applauds the leader with proven. And God applauds the leader that is? Here's the last one. God applauds the leader that is compassionate. God applauds the leader that is compassionate. Oftentimes I kind of, I've read this scripture so many times, but I've kind of run past this. In 72, when he talks about integrity and skillfulness, he precedes it to tell us what he does. Integrity and skillfulness is how he does it. But the what is, he shepherded them and he guided them. He shepherded them and he guided them. To shepherd means to feed. It means to tend. And to guide means to transport, to lead, and to govern. That was especially important to me Today and this weekend as we've been celebrated and as we celebrate pastor's birthday because I thought about Jeremiah 315. Everything in the Bible is not a promise, but this is one. He said, I will give you shepherds. One translation says pastors. After my own heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. It takes time to feed somebody. It takes care. care because it speaks to nourishment. I'm not interested in just giving you, as a leader, giving you what you like. I have to know you well enough to know what you need so that I can serve you what you need until you learn to like it. When our son was born, he drank milk, obviously, and then uh, more of a pablum and then oatmeal. But when he started going to table food, I had the responsibility as a parent to know 
of himself, he's not going to select vegetables. Now, he's a grown man now. I rarely see anything green being anywhere near him, but that's his business. Son, if you're watching, you know it's true. But it was my responsibility to nourish him, and I understood that he couldn't be nourished when he moved to the baby foods. He couldn't be fully nourished just with the sweets. He had to have the bitter, too. It takes compassion to, first of all, every shepherd may not know every sheep by name, but they do know many by name. They know their behavior. They know their motivation. They know how they move, and they know what they need. The shepherd doesn't stop for a meal break because he's hungry. The shepherd stops because he knows it's time for the sheep to eat. He says he shepherded them, and then he guided them. And guiding, though it says, lead, though it, it translates leading, it doesn't always mean that the shepherd is walking in front. Sometimes the shepherd understood that all he had to do was stand to the side because he had, oh my God, there were sheep who knew him so well that the sheep could lead and the rest of the sheep would follow. He just needed to be in proximity. Then there were times that the shepherd had to allow the herd to move forward and he was in the rear because he understood that if he was too far up front, there would be some sheep in the back who might fall away and fall prey. And so he said, I've trained the ones in front enough, I can now go to the back and I can get behind to make sure that none of them are lost. takes compassion, takes time, takes more than I want a position. It takes willingness to lay down your life for those who might walk over it. And this is the thing. We started with the leader that God applauds, not the senior pastor. Not the executive pastor, but the leader. Every one of us are leaders in some capacity. And we have to ask ourselves, God, am I at the place now where I know you chose me? Am I at the place now where, I can, where you can say I'm truly committed? I'm truly committed. I'm not on the fringes. But I'm really committed to where you have me. You found me, but now am I really committed? And then, what's my character like, God? When I leave the sanctuary, if the saints see me tomorrow, will they still recognize that I'm blessed and highly favored? Am I competent? 
in what I'm doing? Do I have something to give or do I just want to be seen? And then ultimately, do I have the compassion because my senior leaders can't always walk in front? Am I one of the sheep who can still carry the fold and move forward so that they can take care of the ones coming behind? Look at somebody and say, be a leader that God can applaud. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information on other products and materials, please contact us at 770-484-9300, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Or visit our website at www.newcov.org. If you're in the Atlanta area, we invite you to join us for one of our dynamic services. Once again, thank you for receiving the living word of God from New Covenant Christian Ministries, where we are transforming all people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ.